At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey friends, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. It's Ben Sternke. I'm here with Matt. I'm here. Yes, you're here. Bar- just barely after three nights of uh, not enough sleep. Yeah. Uh, there's some some problems happening. Um, maybe, uh, friends, you are also struggling with uh, lack of sleep. And maybe it's because of digital technology. Sorry, I'm just trying to make a uh, <laughs> segue here into our intro. <laughs> Now, uh, we've got an interview today for you, friends, that we recorded several months ago. And um, if my yeah. m- if memory serves, I think we recorded this right after uh, the pandemic kicked off, right after most churches had gone online, most churches had been starting to cancel services and yeah. take everything online and learn all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, what an interesting time to, to interview Jay Kim about his book, Analog Church, where he yes. talks about the deforming effects uh, that online and digital technology have on us yes. um, and why we need the, the subtitle of the book is why we need real people, places and things in the digital age. And so it was an interesting, interesting time to interview him. And I, I think it's an interesting time to release this video or sorry, this podcast as well, because um, we are, Matt, you and I, the church that we co-pastor, um, we're in the midst of shifting from it feels like we we went online we just our church basically did a zoom call we're small enough that everybody can just get on a big zoom call mm-hmm. um and so we we got on a big zoom call every week and we've been doing that since march 13th 2020 i remember that was the first sunday that we were like yeah we should probably uh, we're not really sure what's going on here i think the first uh, case had happened in our county and mm-hmm. so anyway so we, we we went online and we've been just doing a zoom call up until this this point. Um, but, uh, even though cases are on the rise in our County, again, we have decided to move to, um, a plan where we are going to gather in smaller groups in person outdoors, you know, safely, we're trying to put in place a bunch of safety measures for that. But, um, but part of the reason, part of the reason that uh, we found that our online 
Zoom call church service wasn't really cutting it uh, long term is just is some of the stuff that Jay talks about in this book that there is this interesting sort of uh, it just is really it, it has been really hard on people some more than others but like it's been uh, just mental anguish emotional anguish um, that that has been sort of setting in. So even though we can see each other's pictures on a video screen, it's just not the same. I think our kids pick up on this as well. We're finding that the the people in our church for whom the the Zoom call works the least are the kids. Um, yeah, under under a certain age. I mean, even my kids who are teenagers, uh, even they have struggled to kind of connect with uh, churches happening. I'm I'm being with people. Uh, it's like really a lot of extra work to try to be with people via screens. And it was just wearing on our community. And so we're finding, hey, even in the midst of a pandemic, we need real people, real places, real things in this age, even though we have this ability to gather digitally. So anyway, I've just been reflecting on that. It's interesting. Yes, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. So we, we recorded this interview before we knew we needed it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. We did. And I thought it was interesting when we recorded it because I was like, we're actually fine. Like churches are fine. I remember initially churches were pretty excited. They were like, Ooh, we're like we're connecting online and we're learning how to do this. And yeah, you know, uh, but that <laughs> didn't take long for the sheen uh, to wear off on that one. It was like, no, no, oh, no. we're right. tired of zoom calls. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, Zoom, I, I've, the way I've said it is I think Zoom can trade off existing capital, but it's really hard to build new capital and um, or build any new kind of relationships. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of, we, yeah, go ahead. Well, part of what I'm I'm recognizing is that um, we, we've had some new people find our church through a digital platform, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really hard to be the church on a digital platform. Yes. Right. So, so, you know, there's, uh, this is forcing churches to reckon with what do they mean by being a church? And you have some pretty famous churches in the news that are like, well, what it means to be the church is you come to hear me preach. And if you can't come to a building to hear me preach, then we aren't the church. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've ever had that uh, definition of what it means to be the church. But at the same time, how do you... What does it mean to be Christ's incarnate presence in the world in an, in an excarnate reality like digital technology? Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when there's danger to be around people. So our neighbor tested positive for COVID-19 a couple days ago. Mm. And she's a, uh, she's a teacher. And um, my daughter and her daughter are BFFs. And so... Wow. So now my my daughter has to go about 14 days without her BFF. She's a little bummed about that. We're watching her for like symptoms. She, my daughter's supposed to go play at grandma's house today. So we're like, eh, do we? How do we? Yeah. But is there? And then I'm sitting on my couch this morning as I want to do. And my neighbor who has COVID-19 has is still going on her morning runs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? I'm like, even if you're asymptomatic, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I've been told not to work out with a, not to work out with a cold, let alone, uh, you know, something, something that wants to, uh, a strange virus. We don't know still what it does. Actually, <sighs> yeah, 
So yeah, that's yeah. It's so, weird days, isn't it? It's weird days. Weird. I mean, days. A lot of people have uh, talked about that, but I think there is a tragic irony in that, where a big part of what we're learning, a big part of what it means to be human, and the and the body of Christ is this incarnational, complex reality, and that's very specifically the thing that's dangerous um, is to yeah. get too close and to you know breathe on each other, speak words to each other, touch each other. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, it's a new world. Anyway, I think Jay Kim, uh, has a lot of, uh, helpful things uh, to say. He's, he's really, um, thought through this, uh, uh, really well. And he's very familiar with digital technology too. So he's not a, like a Luddite, I guess is what they call them. People mm-hmm. who are just, I just don't, they're like a grumpy, they're just grumpy about technology. Uh, but he's not. He's he lives in Silicon Valley. He pastors there. Um, he's been involved in the digital technology world, and hmm. you know, has an iPhone. You know, like all of that kind of thing. And I think um, so. I think he has a lot of authority uh, to speak to this issue. So, uh, I think that might be all we need to say, Matt. Anything else we, we need to mm. we need to, say to the good people of I our don't. audience? No, just listen up. Listen up. Jay's got good things to say. <laughs> Listen here, you. Do not stop this podcast at this point. Yeah, he's uh, he's got some good things to say. Uh, we'll get to this interview. Here we go. Jay, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. It's yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much, yeah. you guys. I'm thrilled to be on. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, I'm here with Matt and uh, with Jay Kim. And um, Jay, why don't you? Uh, Jay's written a book called Analog Church. Um, we're going to talk about that uh, book today. But Jay, why don't you, for our audience, just give a little introduction to who you are, where you are, what you spend your time doing. Um, little bit of a little bit of a profile for us yeah sure sure yeah well thanks um i uh yeah my name's jay and i uh i i live i've grown up and still live uh, pretty much my entire life i've been uh right in the heart of the silicon valley so in the bay mm. area yeah. of california uh about you know 40 minutes south of san francisco is yep. uh, is where i am and uh yeah i've been here my whole life you know Grew up really? here and moved around a bunch, but but yeah, this is okay. home. This has been home, um, mm. and uh, yeah, my, my day job, I I <laughs> serve and lead at a church, so I guess that would make me a pastor, you know. I and, guess so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I that's what I do. That's what I have done um, for yeah. the last seventeen years or so. So yeah. most of my sort of adult working life. Uh, and then, you know, my, my beyond that though, I'm, I'm, I'm a husband and a father of two mm. little kids and, okay. uh, recording this at home and they're just about to wake up. So if you hear a little bit of chatter in the background, I don't have a home <laughs> office. I apologize. I'm just locked away in my bedroom yes. doing my best to, you know, keep it quiet. So, uh, yeah, two little kids <laughs> that I love yeah. and adore and my wife who's my best friend and, um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm now venturing into the waters of writing which has always been a private sort of thing and it's becoming much more public in the last uh, year or so. Yeah. Interesting. So the the book you've written is called uh, Analog Church. Um, And just uh, for um, 
clarity's sake, uh, we're recording this like kind of right right in the middle of the coronavirus stay-at-home yeah. order. Like people, you know, you're you're locked in your closet, uh, trying to get some work done, uh, as a lot of people are. You know, yeah. um, I can see on Matt's screen, got kids running through the background, and you know, my and kids then, are my kids yeah. have a mind of their own, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They're just and doing so, whatever they want back there. Right, and so anyway, so in the midst of all of this, um, it's an interesting. As a lot of churches have sort of uh, gone digital uh, or needed to, basically, because they yeah. can't meet in person. It's an interesting time to talk, I think, about uh, your book, uh, Analog Church. Anyway, there's a lot of cultural sort of uh, observations that I think are, are really, really interesting that are happening right now. But uh, before we get into those things, Jay, I wonder if you could um, just give us a sketch. Why, why this book? You know, you said you did a lot of writing privately, but now it, it's becoming public. But what, what is it about the, the themes? Uh, the subtitle of the book is Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Um, so what, what about your experience or your, your life in ministry um, made you write this book? Like, what, what feels important to you about this? What were you seeing? Yeah, it's a great question. I, uh, well, like I said, I've grown up in the Silicon Valley, you know, which is mm -hmm. the hub, the epicenter of digital technology. Uh, and all that means, I mean, digital tech comes from all over the place. But what it, I think, basically means is like the tech giants who most people think of when they think of the yeah. companies that make the stuff that we carry around in our back pockets and you mm -hmm. know, sort of rule and run our lives in so many ways. Most of those companies are here you know, in some yeah. form or fashion, yeah. uh, yeah. for many of them, their home base is here. You know, I could drive right. to the main campus of Apple or Google or Facebook all within 20 minutes of where I live. Right. So yeah. this is sort of the epicenter and what that's meant for me, uh, ha you know, it's meant a lot of things, but one of the things it's meant particularly in my time in, in serving and leading in a local church, so many, if not most, of the people that I um, serve and and try to help lead uh, are connected in some form or fashion to these companies. And by yeah. that, what I mean is most of them or their spouse works at one of these companies. You know, right. they spend yeah. their waking hours making this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even growing up, my uncle, you know, my mom and I was single, single parent home, just me and my mom. Uh, we lived with my aunt and uncle for many years, and my uncle worked at IBM <laughs> like, mm. back in the 80s and mm -hmm. early 90s. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've just been surrounded by it. And one of yeah. the things that's done, it's given me sort of a, a, a great benefit that I didn't realize until a few years ago. You know, I, I, um, I have the same sort of struggle with the digital addictions that so many of us do, but because I'm surrounded by folks who, who make this stuff and I'm in conversation with them quite a bit, it gave me a, a sort of perspective that, that I've come to really appreciate. And it's that, you know, like I'm able to see my phone for what it actually is, not the sort of, uh, you know, neurological experience it gives me when I lose myself in a mm -hmm. never ending stream of, you know, Twitter or yeah. some other form of social media. But, uh, I, I'm, I'm able to, to often see this thing for what it is, which is like, here I am in a real room surrounded by my real children and mm -hmm. losing myself staring at a black metal box, you know? And, um, <laughs> right. uh, so yeah. I started thinking about that quite a bit and doing some reading about it several years ago. And then probably four years ago, maybe something mm -hmm. like that. I really, four or five years ago, I really started wondering beyond the scope of just my personal life and how 
digital technologies were affecting me as just an individual, I started really asking the question like, oh, you know, it feels like churches and our church, you know, the church where I was on staff at the time, feels like we're leaning really hard into all things digital for the sake Mm -hmm. of reach and impact and all those cliche words that we use in church world. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I started wondering like, man, if digital technology is like having this really formative influence on me as an individual, there's no way that it's not doing the same in some form or fashion to our ecclesiology, how we understand what it means to be the church. And and then how that understanding is getting like unformed or even deformed, you know? So uh, there you go. That's kind of, I just started thinking about that yeah. and then um, started writing about it. And then here we go. Here we go. It turned into this book. <laughs> I woke up yeah. one morning and here there was a book. Yeah. yeah. Very easy. Yeah, I just thought about it. And I've heard that's voila. how books get written. It's very easy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's really, uh, that's really helpful. Um, I, you know, I, it reminds me, I've heard, I've heard a lot of the, you know, the folks who are sort of immersed in that world are some of the main people who seem to have these publicly, um, you know, strict boundaries for their own children because they sort of, Mm -hmm. they, they see how the sausage is made and they see what's going into it. And they, they're sort of more aware of this isn't just a, um, you know, a a pleasant little pastime, but this is actually profoundly affecting the way that we relate to each other in our families, the way that we relate to each other in our communities. And so I, I think it's instructive that those who are closest to the heart of it, are the most concerned about it, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, Steve Jobs famously, you know, that's the famous story. Steve yeah. Jobs didn't let his own kids yeah. use right. the stuff he made. Yeah. <laughs> so think about that, you know? Right. right. Yeah. It's like the nice, so nice crazy. for him to make a ton of money on it. But, you know, he's like, but for me and my family, we will not serve yeah. know, these. It's like he it's like, it's like he knows he's a drug dealer. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. No, it's he, like, drugs are like, bad kids, uh, but yeah. they well, do put bread on the table. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think there's a, you know, there's probably a brain science rabbit hole to go down here too, Jay, but there's a sense in which we, we are, our technology is far outpacing our ability to uh, really understand what we're doing to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And probably maybe for the first time in human history that, you know, we are, we are in a, we're a kid in a candy store with an unlimited budget right now. And if, and it feels like uh, not only self-control, but just getting rewired and hijacked seems to be, you know, not to be alarmist. And, you know, you could be outraged over everything yeah, if you yeah. put your mind to it. But there there really <laughs> is a call here to to reckon with uh, what, what are we doing to ourselves and yeah. what does this mean to be the church? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, 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 that's absolutely right. I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, historically, I, I think this is true. Um Maybe it's not, but yeah, it certainly feels that way that maybe for the first time in history, uh, our technology certainly is outpacing ourselves. And I think that that difference is dangerous for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons for me is like, particularly with digital technologies, you know, if you think about just the business end of things, the way they come the the thing that digital technology is trying to commodify you know, if you think about a restaurant or something or food services, they're trying to commodify our hunger and our appetite for certain types of foods. Right. Mm. But things like that, like physical realities or like, you know, uh, clo- the clothing industry is trying to commodify our desire for 
pants that fit us well or something. Yeah. There's a limitation to those things, okay. you know, yeah. like yeah. is you can only wear one pair of pants at a time. You can only have so much food before you're just full and yeah. you're no longer. But digital technologies are trying to commodify our attention, you know, mm. and and our sort of endlessly our bottomless appetite for the next sort of dopamine hit, you know, and, yes. and what they've discovered is that there is no satisfying that <laughs> like dopamine you, by, its, you know, you're talking about brain science by its very nature. It's like, it actually craves more hits, you know, which yeah. is like the drug dealer mm -hmm. analogy is yeah. actually very fitting, you know, not to bash people who make digital tech. I think there's a good, good yeah, usage sure, of, sure. of those things, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's, it's a dangerous thing because the thing they're trying to commodify actually has no end. And we can just yeah. sort of, we're mm -hmm. a kid in a candy store, like you said, with, yeah. you know, endless amounts of money. Yeah. Jay, how do you see, um, how do you see that, that kind of uh, the commodification of our attention and the, the sort of the reaching into our minds to try to grab that attention? Um, how do you see that playing out in, like, how do you see this damaging the church? Um, like what, how does this affect, you know, not just us as humans or as society, but specifically for us as the church, um, and it's, you know, leaders of the church, like, how do you see this playing itself out? And what are some things that we need to be looking for? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a part of it, there's a lot there. I think a part of it has to do with sort of the values and the ethos that drive digital technology and how those things are then influencing churches and, and in mm -hmm. particular church leaders who sort of are responsible for shaping and upholding the values and ethos of their church. So okay. what I mean by that is, you know, along the lines of digital technology and, and the way they, the way digital technology longs to commodify our attention, which then leads to sort of our allegiance, you know, often our blind allegiance yes. to these things. Um, you know, they do it because they have digital tech has three key values in, in my estimation. Those are speed, choice, and individualism, mm. meaning everything is like faster and faster in the digital age. Uh, it has to be faster. You know, nobody's going to come out with like, Hey, we had 4G. Now we're going to go back to 3G or whatever. Right. You know, like that's not a thing, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just going to get faster and faster. Um, and then choice, obviously, just uh, you go on Amazon and type in anything you could possibly imagine, and then you'll just have an endless scroll of pages, yeah. page after page of choices, of a plethora yeah. of choices. And then individualism, you know, everything is sort of hyper customized to me. It's, you know, we've all had that really freaky experience of like, you're talking about something with a friend and right. then the next time you log on to, yes. you know, Instagram, yeah. you have, you're scrolling and you see an ad for that thing you were talking about. Yep. We've all had that. Yeah. It's so scary because yeah. it's like machine algorithms are somehow listening in. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to be alarmist either, but we've all had that experience. Right. Really Yo, Jay, every time I ask Alexa a question, I, I want to, I want to like end it with. I for one thank God for our new uh, technology overlords. Like I feel like the robots, <laughs> I, 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 like, sarcastically, but I I know that like I'm using something that's using me. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. which is just an interesting arrangement I've made, and I yeah. have ways of not thinking about it. Yeah, but but in reality, my my favorite toys use me as much as I use them. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's a great, that's a great 
way to put it. Yeah. And, and I think that's essentially what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the church, you know, getting back to the question, I guess it's the same concept, you know, we're using technologies that use us, but more dangerously when it comes to the church and in, in, in my mind, it's not just we're using technologies that use us. It seems like in the church, we're using technologies that form yes. us. You know, and we're not forming the technology. We're just using the technology, but our usage is actually forming us. You know, we're becoming, because of the speed, we're becoming incredibly impatient. Because of the endless choices, we're becoming really shallow. And then because of the individualism, we're becoming really isolated. And Mm. those things, impatience, shallowness, and and isolation, they they stand in direct opposition to the life of Christian discipleship, yes. which is oh, yeah. really patient and slow. It's really deep and it's super communal, yes. you know, and yeah. that's the danger to me in our churches. Yeah. That if we lean recklessly into digital stuff uh, and the values, they're going to form us into people who, who stand in stark contrast to the life of Christian discipleship. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. I think it's worth saying, like, it, it's, it's, it's helpful to have your eyes open to this because no, no Christian leader that I know of would intentionally want to form their community like that, right? Like nobody's thinking, right. how do I create shallow, impatient <laughs> uh, individualists, right? We're, we all right. want, you know, to create uh, disciples of Jesus, you know, that look like Jesus, that kind of thing. But if we're not aware of the subtle ways that uh, the things that, you know, the, 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 the things that we use, you know, the digital technology and any other technology, like it's helpful to know that this is actually forming us as a community in a certain way. And there may not be any way to overcome that just by, just by saying words at it. Right. Just by saying, you know, yeah. so if we use a technology that, that forms us as impatient people, we can't just say, Jesus says we should be patient. Let's try to be more patient mm. as we use this technology that's <laughs> shaping me to be impatient. Right. Like we have to reckon yeah. with that. Um, and so I, I see that as a yeah. big part of um, what you're saying there, uh, which is, you know, yeah. like, again, Christian leaders aren't trying to try, aren't trying to do bad things to the people they're leading. Um, but we're, no. we have to be aware. I think we, we have to be a little bit more savvy about how we're being yeah. shaped. I want to get into how do we, how do we become savvy? Mm. What does that mean? What sort of what sort of uh, rubric or wisdom can help us navigate maybe the landmines, uh, the opportunities and pitfalls of technology? But maybe just can I relay a conversation I had yesterday, Jay, yeah, with yeah. a with a pastor? You know, like all of us now, we're not gathering locally, so we're meeting virtually. And this pastor uh, is a uh, pastor of a large multi-site church that has always gathered locally. Uh, but now they're really finding that they're meeting new people virtually that they couldn't meet before. 
and he was discussing with me we're you know he's saying we're wondering if we should stay with a live stream video accessed uh, to our local gathering once COVID-19 breaks and, and the quarantine's over. And he was asking me, should we do that? What is the cost of being a church that gathers via a screen versus a church that gathers locally? And we had a conversation about that, but I'm wondering, like, how would you answer that question? As you think through the benefit cost analysis, just to put it in uh, Silicon Valley terms, uh, wh- what, would you, what would you say to a pastor who's considering that? What question should we ask? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I've uh, I've been in dialogue about that question with some folks locally as well, and uh, I think the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, it's not monolithic. Uh, it's not like, hey, digital is bad. Everybody go Amish, throw everything right. away in your churches, and just you know <laughs> become luddites. Uh, yeah, that's not what I'm arguing for at all, you know, by any means. I, I'm I'm just trying to suggest that even good things, helpful things, and certainly neutral things become in, incredibly harmful when we misplace them. And I think that's what's happened with digital, certainly in our personal lives and, and increasingly so in our churches. So when it comes mm-hmm. to the live streaming, online church sort of deal. I, I, I talk about this in the book. The only sort of helpful rubric or metric I could offer is to say um, that I think digital technology is really great for informing and even inspiring us hmm. to a certain extent. But the life of following Jesus, Christian discipleship, is a life that involves information and inspiration, but that information and inspiration are the means to a much more important end, which is transformation. The longing really of the follower of Jesus is not just to be informed and inspired, but to be transformed, to be changed, to be reformed, unformed and reformed, again, transformed into something else, you know? And um, yes. And I argue that transformation is only possible in analog. You have to participate in embodied, present, uh, the, the theological word would be incarnational, in the flesh sort of ways. So that's the, that's the main rubric I, I offer to church leaders. Listen, go ahead, leverage and use digital for all things informative and even inspiration. Although inspiration, I think, is much more impactful in analog. But I I think it's okay to try to provoke inspiration in people through digital means. You know, there's ways you can do that that are helpful. But always, we can never forget the end goal is transformation. So if transformation is always in analog, which I believe it is, then Mm. all of the digital stuff we put out there has to point toward analog, an analog end, you know, an invitation to say, Hey, this is this is helpful. It's a tool, but it's not enough. We hope that you'll come join us. Or if you're watching from some other part of the country or the world, you know, and you can't find a community that that um, on your own can contact us, and we'll we'll do our absolute best to to yeah. help you get connected or something. So uh, there you go. Yeah, Jay, I think that's really really helpful because I I do think we tend to think monolithically about these things, and I think you know we tend to think about um, what does it mean to be the church like. And we, we, we don't have that idea that we can separate out like some of these functions, like I, the, 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 anal, uh, the analogy 
that I thought of as you were talking is Paul wrote letters, which is a technology. Sure. Paul wrote letters to churches he never visited, which was fine. Yeah. And now we've got the scriptures, and which is you know really helpful. Um, and those letters, it is helpful, yeah, yeah, um, for being a Christian. Yeah. For being a Christian, in I affirm. I affirm the scriptures are helpful. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure those letters were helpful for those churches. But again, they functioned within the analog world, which was it's a letter to a church, you know, or to a leader of yeah. a church, which yeah. implies there are gatherings, you know, and probably in some of these cities, yes. multiple gatherings, multiple analog, you know, mm-hmm. greet the yes. church that meets in this house and this house and this house and this house. Um, and so I, I see the Apostle Paul there using technology, a letter, you know, writing. Um, to be able to convey uh, apostolic uh, exhortation, probably some inspiration, um, but that then gets translated into the analog world through somebody reading to a yeah. church that is gathered. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his letters, that's exactly right. I think he, you know, he's certainly doing incredible pastoral work, but what is he constantly doing? He's inviting them to live this out in their like right. in their everyday yeah. lives, you know, and he's, yeah. he's asking them to embody the stuff that he's writing in the letter through the technological means mm. to embody them amongst one another, you know, and, yeah. and even in his letters, like his letter to the Thessalonians, he writes, you know, toward the end, he, he essentially says, like, hey, man, I'm writing you this letter, but geez, I like, I really wish I could see yeah. you face to face. You know, he's like, I really endeavored. This is second best. To see you face to face. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's still even within that, you know, and he's got that strewn throughout his other mm-hmm. letters as well. Like he, he's got that, that human yeah. longing. And that's, that's all technology, connective technology at its best. It's like when I travel and then I, you know, FaceTime with my wife and kids, I'm super grateful for FaceTime. Yeah. But really what it does is it makes me long to see them face to face once I'm totally. home to really hold them in my real arms. Yeah, you don't, sorts of things. if you're in the same room, you don't FaceTime in general because, yeah. you know, you realize, oh, that's, that's uh, second best, you know, that, that that's helpful yeah. to have, but yeah. I have started, I have started Marco poloing my wife when she's, uh, on her Instagram account, looking at all of yeah. her ladies, just, just a reminder that I'm, I'm you know, I'm right here. Away. I'm right here, honey. Yep. Here I am. Here I am. And I, I want to communicate to you through the medium that you're, uh, and I do have right to now. admit, I, 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 I just want to confess too. I text my kids from, uh, from downstairs. If they're, if they're on another floor <laughs> of the house, I'm like, I'm just texting you. Please come upstairs. I don't want to shout. Because you're a grown up, Ben. You don't need to walk around. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, Jay, yeah. You know, you're the king of the castle, man. You're just a yeah. man in this castle. Uh, all right. I, text the stay at home orders. This is like, this is where I sit. All of my work is like looking You'll at know, the screen, You know where I am sitting kids. in this chair. Sometimes I go get Jake. When I hear you talk about when I hear you talk about virtual being good for inspiration and information, I I think that maybe provokes a kairos or a question for people, which is, what do we expect our gatherings to do? You know, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people would would say our gatherings are to inform and inspire. We want to we want to we want to encourage and exhort. Mm Um, and if that's all you, the work that your gathering is doing, then maybe a virtual space can carry some of that. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think for an increasing number of pastors we talk to, they have a, a much, how uh, uh, do not be pejorative here, a, uh, deeper maybe. They, they think that their gathering can do more than just inspire and inform, yeah. but it can yeah. actually it can actually form. Yeah. 
that we can actually become different kinds of people as we worship and as we respond and as we hear and as we pray together. And so I, I'm struck by just in our church, you know, we we pastor an Anglican church and our our liturgy goes pretty well on Zoom. Like um, it's not an event kind of liturgy. It's much more of a gathering. And so it's some call and response. But we have lamented and ached for what we're missing, not, for instance, hearing voices sing with us hmm. and not um, praying the Lord's Prayer together, not hugging or uh, Ben and I greet each other, the holy kiss, just our little thing, but, you know, shaking hands <laughs> actually, during the passing of the true. peace. We do that every Sunday. <laughs> it, yeah, and he's got a, uh, Ben, your beard scratches yeah. me. That's part of the cost of being <laughs> I just want you to uh, know. my friend. So. Yeah. It is. I, I lay down my lips for you every Sunday. Um, so I, I, Jay, I guess I'm saying like, uh, I think it depends on your tradition mm -hmm. and what you want to see happen on a Sunday, yeah. whether or not a virtual yeah. space can do the work you want it to do or whether you, maybe how much you need an analog space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that dichotomy is, is accurate, that uh, there is a dividing line between um church leaders who and it's not because they have like some shallow theology i just think uh at least in the tradition that i grew up in that's just kind of what we're taught mm. like even in bible college and in, yeah you know in in seminary to a certain degree uh we're just sort of taught often like the pragmatics of how to hold a worship gathering yeah. and mm. the way it's designed you know i i I get into this a little bit in the book, but actually, and our church actually uses this, but like, if you think about a lot of leaders will be familiar with this. If you think about like planning center online, you know, which is like this, like, Hey, flow of service yeah. sort of program. Yeah. And you just map out like three songs here and they're going to be 14 and a half minutes total. And you know, that sort of thing. If you just look at one of those planning center sheets again, which I, we use at our church because it is helpful. Yep. But when you look at it, it's structured, uh, it's structure has been deeply influenced by, um, the broadcast age, like television studios and television yeah. shows. You know, if you have a 60 minute segment of a show, you don't just say like 60 minutes, let's just fill it with creativity and beauty and life. You say like, no, you have 14 and a half minutes for the opening spot. And then we've got to go to like a five minute commercial, which in our church gatherings would be akin to the That's announcements. The announcements right. and then, yeah. You know, and then we do another 10 minute spot of like whatever little things. And then you have another yeah. little break, which is like maybe like the mingle yeah. and greet one another, you know, and then you have like whatever. So, um, because that's sort of the world in which I grew up and so many church leaders that I know today grew up in, you know, th that sort of structure and setup is designed primarily for, like you said, information and inspiration. It doesn't create a lot of room for participation, which I think is demanded of us first and foremost, biblically, you know, if you think about, uh, I think it's first Peter, you know, Peter, I think it's first Peter, maybe it's second Peter. I think it's first Peter. Peter writes pretty early on about, Hey, you know, like through your knowledge, God has given you all that you need for a godly life. But, and then it, it feels like, at least in my world, you know, in the evangelical world, we stop there. It's like, okay, information. We just got to in, inspiringly convey information. Knowledge is what we need for a godly life. But if you keep mm. reading what Peter says, he repeats himself multiple times. He says, so now then in light of that, 
participate in the formation of a godly life by doing all these different things. And then he yes. says a couple of times, he says, make every effort, like in an embodied way with your whole self, make an effort, participate, creatively participate in the life of transformation alongside others, you know, in this communal way, the church. And so I, I, I think we have to, I'm glad to hear you say that more and more church leaders, I, I'm seeing the same. So I would affirm that more and more church leaders are beginning to think uh, critically about, you know, the whole information inspiration yeah. model. Not that we shouldn't do that, but that that's incomplete yeah. and that we have to really begin to invite more participation, especially in the time that we're in now. Yes, you know, I'm yes. seeing a lot more sort of, oh, like it's easy for me to present content via Zoom or, or you know, uh, Facebook Live or whatever yes. online streaming thing. But we're, we're viscerally feeling the presentation of content is not enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we've got to do more. We've yeah. got to start inviting participation. And, and I'm really hopeful that that sort of creative fervor mm. to do that amongst our communities to invite participation carries on long after COVID-19 yes. is over, you know, so... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, we have much to learn from, for example, the Anglican tradition and liturgy and um, the the sort of natural rhythms of movement. Yeah. And I, by that, I mean, literally, like the physical movements that are involved mm -hmm. in uh, churches that have a much more robust theology of liturgy and, and participation. Uh, you know, in the evangelical church, this is slowly changing, but, you know, for, at least in my upbringing it was like church essentially meant i go and i sit for an hour and 20 minutes yeah. and right, right. movement really basically standing and singing if i wanted to and then sit yeah. and listening and right. then month, communion sunday yeah. or whatever yeah. You know? so, uh, yes. yeah so. yeah and i mean uh, just personally reflecting that one of the things that first enchanted me about the liturgical traditions mm. was like the fact that these worship services don't work if you don't participate, like if, if the congregation yeah, doesn't participate, right. it's really like it doesn't even work, you know, and I, I just right. was realizing like a lot of the church and I grew up like kind of charismatic evangelical church. Like I like um, I, I realized like a lot of the church services that I planned and led would work fine if nobody was in the congregation, they'd be fine. You know, yeah, so wow. it, it, uh, it that was one of the things that sort of enamored me or enchanted me about it. Um, I'm wondering if I could ask just a couple more questions here, Jay. One one thing that um, that keeps getting brought up here is, um, I, I guess, thinking carefully about the technology we're using, what we're trying to do through it, and what it allows us to do and doesn't allow us to do. So, for example, I'm thinking about the difference between a Zoom meeting where everybody's everybody's sort of on the same page and platform there, like everybody's got their little screen. Uh, we can all unmute ourselves and and talk. There's a little bit of a conversation. There's sort of a human, there's like an analog to human presence going on there. Um, but the difference between that and like a pre-recorded live streamed worship service, right? Those are two different things that allow for two different kind of levels of participation. I'm also thinking about like my kids, you know, being at home, you know, screens, you know, is is like the big thing that we're always trying to, as parents, trying to, you know, monitor. <laughs> Um, but I'm also aware. Screen police, man. That's uh, all I am. Yeah, I'm that's all I am police. too. Are, what are you doing? Uh, um, but I've I've learned I've yeah. learned that not all screen time is equal, right? So for my kids at home, like uh, watching a show on Netflix might be like the bottom of the rung. Mm. Just pure consumption. Mm. Just you know, 
watching now watching with somebody that's a, that's a little different uh playing minecraft together that's different oh you're using your computer to write a story okay well that's that's different you know what i mean so i don't know if you have any reflections mm-hmm. on that like just the difference uh um I guess just between some of these technologies and maybe uh, the way that churches use them uh, and maybe some questions we should be asking um, again, even as Hmm. COVID-19 maybe hopefully tapers off soon, you know, as we get back to like the option to meet in person, like what are some things we should be asking about the technologies? I don't know if you have any reflections on that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you're getting at, uh, what what we were talking about earlier, you know, Matt said it so so wonderfully. The technologies we use are using mm-hmm. us, and, and you know, in in church especially, the technologies we use are actually forming mm-hmm. us. And and what you're talking about to me strikes me as the remedy to that that sort mm-hmm. of uh, underlying system. Mm-hmm. You know, that where if we can be thoughtful about how we use the technology. We're in some ways taking steps to take back control of the formational process. Yeah, you know, it, the technology itself, the, the many technologies uh, themselves of the digital age, they're designed to again, like I said before, they're designed to unform us, deform us, and then reform us in, into a particular type of person. Mm-hmm. And namely the type of person who just keeps scrolling and clicking mindlessly, right. you know, because that's again, that's how they monetize so much of their business. Um, but to use it thoughtfully is to, you know, critic one is to begin to be aware yeah. that the stuff is forming us. And then two, to respond to that formational process and disrupt it in such a way that we no longer allow it to form us the way mm. that it desire it desires to form mm. us. So mm. that's exactly like you're saying, you know, is it, it's it's easy to just throw on Netflix and just sit there and, and watch it mindlessly right. for hours and hours. Uh, it's on the on the front end, it's harder to sort of um, pause and say, you know what, this doesn't seem like a good use of my yeah. time. It feels like it'd be a good use of my time. But when I really think critically about yeah. it, there's a better way I can use the next two yeah. hours, yeah. you know, aside from binging the show by myself. Yeah. And it might be a simple step to say, why don't I watch it with someone yeah. and we'll stop after one episode and just talk mm-hmm. and discuss what do you think? Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. You know? Uh, we just were doing a faith and film class at our church over Zoom, oh. and one of the reasons we're doing it right now mm. is because we know that a lot we have a lot of young people in our church. We just we know that their default now is going to be, and I'm just gonna throw on Netflix mm. and I'll just start binging. So we just started this class to say, listen, you're gonna want to go on Netflix anyways. Here's the deal: how about you watch very specific movies that we assign you, and mm. we'll have a set of questions, yeah. and if you live with roommates or you know your family um have these discussions and then every thursday night from 7 30 to 9 let's jump on and we'll have a discussion there's been like 25 people in that class Hmm. you know so i've at least we've taken back about two and a half hours of their week (laughs) right that could have been potentially just like mindless wandering in the digital ether and now it's like okay yeah no i am gonna watch a movie on netflix but i'm watching it through a lens Mm -hmm. you know when i'm thinking about Mm. these questions that are formative to my 
life of discipleship yeah. and following Jesus. What yeah, does this right. film reflect about that and those sorts of things? So, uh, yeah, I love what you're saying. Yeah. I think there's beautiful ways to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, I think that's a great example, too, because the, the it's not just an individualistic exercise. It's a communal thing. You're I'm watching the same movie as these 20 other people. And so, you know, even though we may not do it the same night, we are going to gather on Thursday and we're going to talk about it, you know, and we've all had this same experience, you know, that digital technology has allowed, but we're going to leverage that for our discipleship and for uh, the strengthening of our communal bonds. I think it's beautiful. Uh, One last question for you, Jay. Um, Kind of at the, one of the things, one of the messages at the heart of your book is that the church was create the the church is created to invite people to there's an invitation to transcendence not relevance can you say a little bit about what you mean by that and um Hmm. uh and and why and why why you chose those words i guess what does that mean for you that 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 we have this invitation to transcendence instead of relevance yeah yeah i I, uh well you know i think the first thing i would say is i am well aware that especially for the word transcendence, but, but for both transcendence and relevance, there is some sort of elasticity of, of sure. meaning, or at least, you know, our, our understanding of those words. Um, I think I, I'm just trying to make the point with that dichotomy that um, everything, everything in the world, uh, again, like digital technologies, but, but also all new technologies before it, they've been designed to capture our attention you know they want our attention because that leads to our um our affection and then eventually without us even knowing our allegiance where we're just like we're totally like oh man i just yeah i I just quickly realized one day i woke up and i'm just bowing at the altar of you know social media Mm -hmm. and i didn't Mm -hmm. know that and uh, the reason i know that that's true is because every waking moment by default, that's where I go when I have a quiet moment, you know, or whatever. Um, So again, technologies are are vying for our attention and our affection, which eventually leads to our allegiance. But, um, and that's relevance, you know, like if if we're going to be relevant, and here's what I don't mean. I don't mean like our messages should not be relevant or relatable to people's lives. Right. You know, we've got to be relevant in that yeah. way. But what I mean is th- that when churches, it just really bothers me when churches are sort of recklessly, thoughtlessly leaning hard and fast in the direction of we have to look, sound, and feel like everything else in popular culture today. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see yes. this. Yeah, we see this in churches all the time. It's like the music has to sound like the popular music, mm-hmm. you know, the top 40 on the radio or whatever, like the, the video and the visuals and the lighting mm-hmm. and the fog machine and all of it. And, and like the pastor who dresses a particular mm-hmm. way and this sounds like I'm attacking and I'm not, I'm, I'm just calling out what, what I see happening. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. this hard and fast leaning toward looking and sounding and feeling like what we think young people really want. Yeah is really dangerous because when we do that, I think what we're acquiescing actually, surrendering, is the thing that the church has always had to offer the world mm. that nothing else could. And that's, again, it's transcendence, mm. that which transcends everything in popular culture. And, yeah. and not just popular culture, but in just the everyday lives of people. And um, so, you know, I when I think of transcendence, I think... Uh, 
juxtaposed mm-hmm. against the the pursuit of our attention and affection and allegiance when it comes to relevance i think transcendence is a pursuit of capturing the imagination mm. right really not mm. our attention not our affection or our allegiance in that way but just presenting an opportunity for people um, to experience something that is so other, so different, so countercultural mm. and counterintuitive to everything else in their lives that it captivates and captures their imagination, not their attention. Yes. And when it comes to the digital age, I'm not talking about like do magic tricks and, you know, <laughs> like it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking, it's very simple stuff. Yeah. Like we were talking earlier about the values of like speed and choice and, and, um, uh, individualism, you know, I is some of the most transcendent things we can do in the digital age is like to slow down when the world speeds up, you know, yeah. to continue to gather when everyone else is scattered, and then to commune with one another when the world is just mostly interested mm-hmm. in like critiquing. It. Yeah. And by communing, I mean like exchanging our embodied presence, not just, yes. you know, um, so. There you yeah. go. I, I don't right. know if that answers no, it your does, question. It does. It's really, really helpful. Um, and I hear, I hear you sort of. There's a call there for Christian leaders to, to really trust that. <laughs> it's kind of a funny way to put it, but it, to really trust that the gospel is true. You know that that God actually does uh, live among us. That we can. You know what I mean? Like there is something that the church carries, uh, that's more than just some information about how to get to heaven when you die. You know that there is yeah. there is a there is an embodied presence uh, that we that we that we have that um, we can open mm. people's uh, eyes up to and we can trust that that presence even though it is you know it's not clamoring for our attention all the time God's not going to be you know rushing around trying to grab our attention but when we can quiet ourselves for a couple seconds you know um, you know that that we can trust that God will be there and we can call people into that you know. And it, and it can yeah. feel very counterintuitive. It can feel very, you know, old fashioned even. Uh, but there is a, a sense in which we're tapping into something that transcends this this whole world, this milieu that um, that we live in. Yeah, mm. totally. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Good man. Yeah. All right. Well, Jay, uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, uh, your book uh, yeah. is yeah. is a great one for our day, um, and I think especially as churches yes. begin to. Uh, gather back together the the questions um, that they're asking about the place of digital technology. We're starting to ask this. We we hadn't really thought about it, but I'm starting to wonder if it would be helpful for people who are sick to be able to log into a live stream of our service. I'd never even thought of that before. Yeah. Maybe that would be helpful for them. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, I think your book will really be helpful for people who are needing to ask those questions, um, especially as we <laughs> have the option to gather in person. Um, so Jay, what, uh, how, how else, I mean, we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Um, how else can people connect with you, uh, online? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably the best way is just, uh, my website. I have a little website, mm-hmm. um, dot com, and yeah. all the stuff is on there. It's pretty simple. Right. You know, it's just, uh, some info about our church and, uh, the book and some speaking stuff mm-hmm. and, uh, there you go. And that's just uh, that's the best way to find me on other places too. Twitter, Instagram, it's just Jake Kim Jake thinks. Kim. It's not I'm not saying I'm the only one who thinks. I just these are the things I'm thinking. It's, it's very pretentious. Yeah, yeah. It's a very pretentious yeah, yeah. game. Yeah, the banner the banner says, What are you doing yeah, with yeah. your life? <laughs> I'm <Right>. thinking. <laughs> or, 
or, or uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jokes I could make about it. But uh, the, uh, like uh, you say, J. Kim thinks, and they're like, "What do I not think?" Anyway, yeah, no, no, J. All yeah. people think. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, it's, that's great, Jay. All right, thanks, Jay. Really appreciate the time, and uh, love to have you back on uh, another point. Thanks for writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Peace. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.